This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, everybody. Good morning. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and welcome to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Hope everybody had a good week. And uh, actually joining me today in studio, we got Doug Field is actually at uh, AHIP, the CEO and founder of the Institute. So I have Cambria Smith, who is the president of Transitions RBG, joining me in studio. Good morning, Cambria. Good morning. Now, you're on the way to uh, Florida after this, right? I am. We're going to have some R&R this weekend, so yeah. it's well-earned. Go go watch the, uh, you said, the Country Music uh, Festival down there? Yes, down at Jacksonville Stadium, so we're looking forward to a good time. Yeah, well, we, we really love having you here. And, um, you know, to everyone, our audience out there, Cambria actually is, like I said, the president of Transitions RBG that focuses on retiree health benefits, and we'll get into that. Over the next couple segments and, and kind of where retiree health benefits are currently, uh, Cambria and I were really talking in the green room about, uh, you know, the exchange space out there, you know, what that looks like. As everybody knows, we've talked about that a lot in the past, private exchanges out there and then retiree health benefits, big part of the market and, and what employers are really looking for these days. So I think, you know, we'll touch touch a little bit on that in the next couple segments. But here on the news and views section, I printed out a couple things yesterday. And very much a trend that's been happening over the past couple years is the, you know, the high deductible plans out there have continued to grow. And a lot of the more... A lot of the plans that are the PPOs or the HMOs are continuing to stay flat, but the high deductible type plans are really moving forward in this market. I think, you know, something that came out the other day was that high deductible plans double for nonprofits out there, and I think you can see that in a lot of four um, company or for companies who are nonprofits. And I think, you know, Cambria, if you look at high deductibles, that is the growth, right? We see the exact same um, studies on our end as well with the high-deductible health plans. One of the things that employers just need to be aware of, if they're moving to these high-deductible health plans and they have an aging workforce, that over-65 market, they need to be aware of when to turn on their Part A of Medicare, their Part B of Medicare, and to confirm that their drug coverage is credible. As we partner with employees or employers, excuse me, all over the country to help their employees with coordinating those benefits. And so we want to make sure that nobody falls into any penalties or doesn't get the coverage that they need because the high deductible health plans do affect the Part A and their ability to contribute to health savings accounts. So if I'm an employer out there and and, and we're a broker, you know, there's I have to guard for my retiree population just against mainly penalties is the, the number one thing. Your retirees and your active employees, we have several clients that are up in the northwestern quadrant of the United States, and they've gone to high deductible health plans, and their health plans are not with credible coverage, which is what CMS stipulates has to be equal to or better than what Medicare requires. And so their employees, even as active employees, have their part. Part A insurance go active as well as have to enroll in a drug plan um, just so that they can avoid those Part D penalties later. Oh, okay. So the plan, so there is, you know, a plan design that they really have to pay attention to for both sides of their, their business, active That's and retired. Right. Interesting. So the, you know, one of the things, you know, that we've seen on the program and, and obviously the high deductible plans are continuing to grow. And I think 
with the emergence of private exchanges from everything we're hearing here at the Institute is that, you know, that's going to increase even more the growth of high deductible health plans out there as well. And one of the studies that came out yesterday um, was actually something that was done, looks by Accenture. And what they really talked about was that there was an increased growth of, you know, number of people who enrolled in the exchanges. And it says 3 million U.S. employees enrolled in private health exchanges, according to this study. And I think it was a little bit of a surprise um, to some of us in the industry. We've, we've known that it's, you know, these exchanges, you know, when they did come onto the scene, it was going to be an interesting model. Um, and it, it appears as though from this study that that they are starting to gain some steam, um, you know, across the marketplace. So you've got the, the front-end exchanges. And as Cambria and I were talking in, in the green room, was you got a lot of the, the first players that moved were the big consulting houses, whether to go and buy an Extend Health that had the Medicare um, retiree health option from an exchange, but you had some other groups that had the normal or the, the exchange that was for the active employees um, that's starting to grow as well. From a retiree health side of this, Cambria, where where do you see, you know, that exchange, you know, where's the growth there? Do you know? Well, there's been a big push in the employer side for the last few years to take their retirees and disband those groups and move them to a Medicare uh, type of an exchange, meaning that they're going to go through the exact same price process as the private group to go in and search for a plan that's going to meet their needs. And so we've been doing that in the post-65 arena uh, long before the pre-65 exchanges have come around. And so I think it all rolls back to what the relationship is between the organization and their employees, whether or not they're looking, they have that paternal relationship to where they want to continue to take care of them or if they're looking at it more from a financial standpoint to where they can still keep promises but move that shift over to that exchange area. So one of the questions and, you know, from a retiree exchange standpoint, mm-hmm. the is it still, you know, to the employer out there, you know, what you see with the, the current employees it's, is that these exchanges are building all these moving pieces to help people become better consumers of health and health care inside of the the active employee standpoint. Is that the same for the retirees? Or are employers building these, you know, retiree health options or exchanges to to empower that that employee consumer who's using them? Our organization works in an education and advocacy firm, so we make sure that our retirees that we work with get that. I can't say that all of the employer groups are looking for the same thing as theirs is more of a sustainability for a retiree group or a trust to make sure that those numbers can continue to be met. And so I think a lot of those are driven through financial um, as most of the post-65 groups are Medicare primary and Mm -hmm. employer plan secondary. So the, you know, when you look at retiree health, as we continue to, to kind of shine the light on that is, is you hear a lot of these, you know, companies out there or public entities really looking hard at retiree health, whether it's the post office out there, whether it's, you know, some of the, you know, the cities out there for their, as an option to okay. some of the other plans that 
bubble might be getting ready to burst, right? That's right. We're working with municipalities and organizations and associations and even unions all the way through trying to figure out what's going to be the best method for sustainability for their retiree population. And a lot of them will shift over to an exchange. Some of them will take alternative measures. But there is a growing trend in that we're looking at the exchange option funded with typically some sort of a reimbursement account, and those mm-hmm. can be set up different ways. As From well. the defined contribution, whether that's yeah. whether that's an HSA, you know, HRA, HRA, whatever the funding mechanism is. I think going back to this, you know, study that was done by Accenture, a lot of in- interesting information in here. I think you know one of the big things that pops out to me is is I've heard a lot of different numbers on how many people will be buying their you know their benefits through an exchange from an employee standpoint over the years. It's you know ten million. I've heard. I've heard twenty million. I've heard you know one million. Right. Um, what this Accenture study is saying, it's saying by twenty eighteen, forty million people will will buy their benefits through a private exchange. And, you know, that's – I have seen that number forecasted before. Um, I think, you know, as we've talked about with these exchanges, it's all about ease of use and how can can companies utilize an exchange that that is easy for the end user to understand, to utilize, and, and I think engagement's big. That's the big buzzword we're hearing, engagement, engagement, engagement across all these you. platforms. It starts with education, and it starts with helping them to understand where these benefits are, what they cover, how to utilize them in their best manner, and then find the plan that's going to work best for each person. I agree. The uh, One of the things, and, and we've talked about it on the program to everybody, we actually in November of last year launched privatehealthcareexchanges.com, and, and what we kind of looked at in the the market again was that all these exchanges were coming out and there was all these different models from single carrier to multi-carrier to having a retiree health option and so for privatehealthcareexchanges.com what you can do is it is on a subscription model $99 for for a month or you can buy a subscription for a full year um the benefit of buying it for a full year is that this database that we've built is going to expand as more exchanges come into the market and as more companies look to want to be included in the exchanges. We're actually in the process of working on a third phase of this um, of privatehealthcareexchange.com to really focus on the solution providers who want to be offered inside of these exchanges. And so um, if you are interested in the information within privatehealthcareexchanges.com, it is the only database in the industry right now that actually houses, you know, this type of information. I believe we have over 160 uh, exchanges in there, and it provides their model. It provides contact information, whether it's to a, a sales rep or whether it's to a product development manager um, that you can actually connect with them. So that's one of the one of the items that we've been working hard on here at the institute, and so if you're interested, go to the um, go to the website and and check that out. But moving, you know, kind of, Cambria was actually an exhibitor with us at IHC Forum uh, here in Atlanta, and we're now moving towards IHC Forum West um, that's going to be in Las Vegas, November 10th through 12th. And really, the focus of that event, um, as you've heard us talk is let's look at what happens in open enrollment. You've got a lot of a lot of different elements taking place um, this year before the event. You've got the election 
which I think is a week or two ahead of the event. So we're going to get a real-time look in at what happens, you know, in Washington, which is, as we all know, we deal with, with you know, Washington within our business um, quite often. So we have to figure out, you know, what's going on there. But but the benefit now is what's happening with open enrollment. If you look at these exchanges, you know, did people enroll in exchanges? Was that a direction they moved? Did people look at high deductible health plans and full replacement programs um, to move to? So what what was the engagement and programs out there? What, what kind of education did the employee population um, – how did you educate them on the benefit plans and what did they choose? So that's, that's going to be a big play there at – at IHC Forum West, and then also, what we've done is is we've actually got a really good group of employers that are really going to provide case studies on what they've done around making healthcare consumerism work. As we hear, you know, across the marketplace all the time, it's the consumerization of healthcare, and you know how can employers, brokers, consultants, health plans, third party administrators, how can they put plans in place? You know, for their for their users to really empower them to become better consumers of health and healthcare. So, for everybody out there, um, IHC Forum West, there's now ninety nine dollar deals out there. So, if you want to sign up, you can get it for ninety nine dollars. There are some pre conferences there um, on exchanges on making healthcare consumerism work. So, we do um, invite you to join us there. The Last thing before we go to break is the certification program, and it's something that you know we rolled out um, with IHC Forum and Expo IHC certification. And I had a question come to me the other day: is what can I expect to learn regarding certification? And the the quick answer to that is that you can learn the A disease of healthcare consumerism. And as we've always defined, healthcare consumerism isn't about just an HSA with a high deductible. That's a piece of healthcare consumerism. But the deeper pieces of healthcare consumerism are the retiree health benefit piece, are the, the front end exchange piece, are the HSA piece, and and other pieces engagement. So you can expect to learn, you know, the A to Z of healthcare consumerism. And uh, thanks, everybody. Stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news, industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, Annual Publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook, a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Solution Providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, 
your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the IHCC.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and joined in studio uh, with Cambria Smith, President of Transitions RBG. And, uh, Cambria, let's dig into your business a little bit. I think, you know, the retiree health exchanges have a big play here. You saw a lot of movement uh, a couple years ago on some of the big consulting houses going out and, and buying retiree health um, platforms and bringing them underneath their umbrella. Kind of give our audience, you know, a feel for your company and, and your position in the market. Absolutely. And we work with employers uh, looking for solutions for their retirees as well. And so what our organization does is we sit down and try and figure out the plan that's going to suit the culture at your organization the best. And sometimes that's going to make sense to go to an exchange, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. We've had a couple clients lately decide that they wanted to go alternative routes and it's a win-win situation, and that's what we look to sustain with our employers. So you're not necessarily an exchange. You what's what's the difference between your model versus maybe what one uh, maybe an Extend Health or some of the the other players out there might have? We have multiple tools in our toolbox. And so we're able to sit down, talk to the HR director, talk to the CEO, and figure out what they're trying to accomplish in this reduction. You know, we have employers come to us and say, we have so many aging employees on our current plan right now. What can we do? How do we transition them off? And I think that's what most employers want to say. We have this entire aging workforce. How do we get them off of our active plans? And you can incentivize. You can't do those types of things. But what we do is we work with the employers so that they can have a soft landing for their employees into Medicare and help them to achieve a retirement plan that people aren't scared to go to because most people don't want to work their entire lives. A lot of people would like to find a retirement spot so that they can finally sleep in in those mornings or have a life outside of work. One of the things, and I was why well, I can't remember what I was watching, um, but it it asked, I think I was at a conference in a workshop, and the question was, how much money would you have to save up for health care and retirement? And it was a quarter of a million dollars. It's a lot of money. It, it was a lot of money. <clears throat> and, you know, I think... You know, going back to your and seeking to understand with the employers out there, you know, are they slowly moving these people off of off of their benefit rolls to towards your option, or is it one big offload? What's what's kind of the scenario there with an employer? Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's a, a little bit of both, and so we have. It depends on how they're retirees. So if I'm an employer and I have a couple different ways that my retirees could be accessing my plan. We could have them on what we call an access plan so that our retirees are still tied to our self-insured health plan. And so in that case, our retirees stay on our plan and then for what we have accounted or allotted as their 
their monthly premium, they write that check to us. Okay. And so some retirees do, some employers do that with their retirees. Other employers have them and in slang term, a carve out. So they've been removed from that active pool of employees over to a different type of a plan to where that plan is self-sustaining with just the retirees. Okay. And so there's different models. So in an access plan, what our company would typically do is to go in there and try and figure out what's the best win-win. Do we begin shifting these access employees, retirees rather, over to an exchange Or do we begin shifting these retirees to a carve-out style plan to where that could be fully insured to offset some of those costs for that employer? Now, when when you say employers, is there a certain size employer that you all work best with or can you serve all different different size employers? We serve all different size employers. We really – do very well in helping employers that are in that middle market segment. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of support in the retiree space for those employers today. And and just this is an assumption, and correct me if I'm wrong, with the you have to have obviously an employer size that has a retiree population, population. that's coming into play. So mainly mid market, but you can serve the bigger guys as well. Absolutely. We so, do all the way. So the you had mentioned the access plan, and I think I was on your website. The you know I think it was a soft landing plan. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple different options that, based on the employer and what their needs are, where you can put them on your side of the the house and right. put them into your plans. Is there That's any right. other plans that you have? Well, we have two main plans that we roll out outside of our retiree solutions. We have what's called our caregiver assistance program. And our caregiver assistance program was created based out of a need with more and more of our family members that we love and care for aging. We find ourselves the sandwich generation overseeing their needs And so what we did was we rolled this caregiver assistance program out to all of our employer groups. So they're active employees who are literally between the ages of probably 30 to 55 years old who care for mom and dad now have a resource to reach out to for not only their Medicare questions, but – And when I say resource and referral, I'm literally talking, you can call for advocacy for mom and dad if you need help with an assisted living location service, if you need help with a senior moving company. And so we did this, and this has been able to help employers work on absenteeism with their employees. And Mm -hmm. so they can make one single phone call over to our organization and their care team advisor at Transitions, and that person can give them the support that they need in less than 30 minutes on a phone call followed up with an email. And so Somebody else can go and do the hard work for them so their employee is able to focus on their job at hand and not have to take off excessive amounts of excuse me of time. So you're so you're actually confronting two different two different pieces of the puzzle. And I think if you look at the you know, the baby boomers out there, mm-hmm. the retiree mm-hmm. world is gonna explode going to continue to explode, you know, with all these people that's right, you know, retiring. So if I'm when you're talking to these employers, and one of the things when you walk into them and, and you're talking, you know, about the retiree health population, what what's the first thing out of their mouth? If we're being candid, it's we have all of these people that are over age 65. Is there anything that we can do? And the answer 
is no, you can't incentivize them to leave. You can't pay their premium. You can't offer to put them on Medicare. They're your active employee. And so what you can do is you can educate your employees to understand what alternative options are outside of their group benefits. Mm -hmm. For example, Sid comes down to the HR person's office, knocks on the door and says, hey, I'm turning 65 in two months. What do I need to do? Well, that HR person really should not find themselves in a situation to ever advise or direct somebody in a direction. And so what we want to do is give them a solid third party that they can say, give them a call. Let them help you through what you need to enroll in, what you don't need to enroll in, in regards to your Part A and your Part B. Mm -hmm. So if you're an employer group and you're under the size of 20, Medicare is going to be primary. If you're an employer group and you're over the size of 20 employees, then your employer plan is going to be primary. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to dive into is to find out, does your employer plan require A, B, or a drug plan to be added onto it. And so it's very situation specific. It's very plan specific. And so that's where we work with the employers to make sure. Because when we first started making calls to employers, they were not aware that all of their employees who were over 65 on a non-credible drug plan were getting a Part D penalty for the rest of their life once they did retire and leave their employer plan if they retired at age 70 versus turning that plan on back at age 65. Hmm. So I, so there's, there's some things that are going to benefit the employer, but also the the plan participant, you know, the, the employee themselves on the knowledge, That's you know, right. once you hit that age 65 and, um, you know, what you can't or where the penalties are for you. And for your employer. Exactly. And that's really the soft landings program. So the three programs that we offer at our offices are the caregiver assistance program, the soft landings program, which was designed to help employers who do not have a retiree plan, do not want to establish a retiree plan, but need somewhere to educate and support their aging work population and the employees who are making that transition from active employee to retired employee. Now, the... And forgive me if this is a stupid question. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that even though they've been paying in, you know, for Medicare or or whatever their retiree health benefits, maybe they don't want that, right? Some of them don't right. choose to want that. Right. And is that the question they're going to their employer saying, Hey, can we look at transitions RBG versus me having to go And figure this out on my own. Yeah, figure this out on my own and mm -hmm. maybe get into to a a government program. Right. And so what we want to do is we just want to help that educational and everything that we do starts at education. And so as you're talking about educated consumerism, that is completely our model as well as we want to make sure that every single one of our clients understands not only the ins and outs of their employer plan that they're currently on, mm -hmm. but can also understand what their options are going to be once they go into a Medicare plan Great. of some sort. So the so you got are most of your discussions with employers and in the next couple of segments what I want to kind of get to is is there a broker role there or are there some case studies? But the is are most your 
are most of your conversations with the employers directly and their benefits teams? Absolutely. So we start there, and then they all breathe that sigh of relief that they now have somebody that they can hand this responsibility over to because they're not comfortable having these conversations, and they really shouldn't be. And so then we go on to being the educational resource for their active employees as they go from active to retired. Mm-hmm. So the if you could look at kind of the space right now, is there, you know, with the employer, is there – is there a number, and maybe we can get into this going into the next segment too, is there a number that, you know, that they save? Is there a, What's the financial benefit for them to bring on your program? It depends. It depends on what aspect we bring them on. Okay. And, so, and we can delve further into that when we get into the case studies and you'll be able to see those numbers. And so there's very interesting. I think employers out there right now, and, and Doug and I, you know, talk about this all the time, and Ron Bachman, chairman of the advisory board here at the Institute, is employers out there are looking at all different options. And I think the retiree health option is obviously with the baby boomers, you know, that's, you know, something that's going to just continue to grow and grow and grow. Um, and, and I think your solution, you know, is well-timed, you know, in a market that's just exploding. And then as these, you know, my parents, as my parents start mm-hmm. to retire and, and, you know, move on into what their golden years should be, you know, are there some options? I've actually had them come to me and say, hey, Brent, you know, what what are some options out there that I can look at from a retiree health standpoint? I think I talked to you about it at yep. at our conference. I've got an uncle in Canada who right. is coming down and saying, hey, how do I – you know, what are some options that I can look at in the States? Because that's where I'm going to retire. Right. And and so it's interesting, very interesting. Um, well, everybody stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hey, everybody. Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again. I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 Super Saver rates now available. Visit our website, theihcc.com, to register. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and joined with the uh, president of Transitions RBG, Cambria Smith. And, you know, in the last segment, Cambria and I really talked about, you know, what her solutions are for employers specifically. In this segment, you know, for all you brokers who are out there listening or advisors or consultants for that matter, um, you know, what the role is for you with with her retiree health solution. And, you know, Cambria, give us, you know, give us a quick idea of, of the role you play, you know, with brokers and, and, you know, what the options are for them. Absolutely. 
one of the things I had a consultant this week tell me that she went and sat down with one of her clients and she told her list out the top 10 most important items that she need to tackle in the next 12 months. And the number one item on her list were her retirees and retiree benefits. And I think that as consultants, and we have great relationships, not only in the Southeast with consultants, but all over the country, I think that the commonality there is, is it's not an area that's their expertise. And so they have a tendency to shy away from it and go to where they're comfortable and making advisements in areas that they are more comfortable, which makes sense. And so I find that consultants are looking for somebody who they can trust, who's going to partner with them and give them the resolve, the support, and the recommendations that they need to be able to take to their clients. So the you know what you're saying, the major medical is more their – Bread and butter, major medical, voluntary, Absolutely. you know, the, you know, the, the front side of the benefit plan. But w- as we talked about in the, the segment before, with the aging population, mm-hmm. there's more that need to understand from a broker consultant standpoint, mm-hmm. the retiree health side. I think, you know, on the program, we've talked a- about this all the time is that brokers are looking, brokers, consultants are looking for ways to continue to supplement you know, their income, mm-hmm. you know, from a not only not necessarily a commission standpoint because they're not necessarily commission driven. They're they're trying to help their clients, but mm-hmm. they want to look for some solutions out there that that help them better serve their clients. Um and, you know, I think you're right with this one that they it's just an education process. It is. How do you how do you make them aware of of what the solutions are? Because there's a lot of solutions coming at brokers right now. You got so much out there that everybody's saying, "Hey, carry my product, carry my product." That's right. It's how do we educate them? You know, if you're talking to a broker and you had mentioned one, you know, she put at the top of the list the retiree health mm-hmm. side of things. What you know, what is it that they ask you specifically about retiree health benefits? Look at and typically it's cost cutting. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're looking to make some sort of a transition to reduce those costs. And the way that you address a pre-65 population versus the way that you address a post-65 population are night and day. Mm-hmm. Now, your pre-65 population, you make changes to their plans and you do something and they grumble a little bit, but they're still working full time. How mm-hmm. much time do they have to invest in their grumblings? Well, not much because they have children they're raising and families and active lifestyles. Okay. Well, you go to a post-65 population who's all retired. You start making changes to their benefit plans that are very negative. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is to grumble and complain. And so that's why we work towards that win-win situation is mm-hmm. because those are the people who are calling the news stations, calling the newspapers, showing up at the employers. They are not a happy group of people. And so what we work to do is to help our consultants and the people who we are partnered with to help find that win-win situation. And Mm -hmm. how do you do that? So like you said, we start with an educational platform. We go through all of the steps to educate our retirees so they understand why the changes are coming, mm-hmm. how this is now a sustainable benefit. Now, is this, are these tools for the broker to take? Yes. The, okay. These are tools for the broker to take over there. Okay. That's exactly right. And so we're going to work with this broker to be able to educate the employer, to show them how we can make different changes to their plans to create this win-win situation. Now, is the broker doing some – 
some necessary handholding, um, you know, with the employer and that population. A lot of times you see voluntary benefits. Sometimes there's a, a broker on site there mm-hmm. during open enrollment. Is is that the case with retiree health benefits? Typically, our advisors are doing the interface between the retirees at that point. Okay. And so the broker, what their role is, is to understand the options, become educated on what resources are really available to employers. There's a lot more than one checkbox to a retiree benefit plan. And mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that they understand that and help to make this transition a very smooth transition, depending on whatever type of plan. And these brokers will walk into situations to where there's the access plan, like we talked about, where an employer has something set up where everybody's still paying right into that self-funded plan. Mm-hmm. Well, brokers, consultants, that has to stop. That plan has to stop the way that it's set up. It needs to be changed. And so when you see that type of a situation, you need to contact somebody who's a subject matter expert in a post-65 market so that you can recognize and help your client to recognize one of the places where they're going to be paying higher fees and they're going to be affected through the Affordable Care Act changes. So the brokers, you know, they – they're able to look at this and one go to their employer client and say, "Hey, here's where some waste waste is, maybe." Absolutely, the they've got some costs okay, that they so, could reduce from a cost standpoint. And I think, you know, I think if you look at the brokers out there right now, if they can better serve their clients and help them mm-hmm. save some costs in certain areas, that's very beneficial to to a lot of things because employers, let's face it, they. Their healthcare costs are going through the roof, and any yep. any dollar saved is a is good. So, what is the model for brokers and consultants? Kind of how do they, if they pick up your solution, are they mm-hmm. are they compensated? You know, you know by by taking their solution to employers, is that the benefit for for a broker? There's a compensation stream there that's available through our partnership channels, and mm-hmm. so one of the things that we work with our consultants on, and one thing that people may not know about transitions, is we don't operate a call center. It is not a call center style model. That is not how we do business. I can't stand picking up the phone and calling call centers and getting patched around to 32 people um, and looking for or somebody. A robot. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that really frustrates me when I'm hitting zero. And and just mm-hmm. a clue that if you yell turquoise into the phone, the systems can't recognize the word turquoise, so they'll patch you through most times to a rep. <laughs> right, so, right, right. Just just a little tidbit, but. Um, None of us like that. And imagine finding yourself in your 80s and you don't hear well and you're trying to get somebody to help you with a question or a concern you have and you're constantly being patched through or you're telling your story four times. Your frustration levels are going to go through the roof. And so when Transitions designed how we work with our brokers and our employers and our retirees, we have assigned reps for every single one of our retirees. So they get a direct dial phone number. They talk to the same person, full-time employee, all year round. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to build that relationship and build that trust. And so we do the exact same thing with our brokers and our consultants so that they have the opportunity, excuse me, to build that exact same relationship with an advisor inside of Transitions. Now with the, and you just, when you mentioned kind of the, you know, the age group, that's a different you got to communicate with that group much differently right. than you would communicate with the the millennials or right. you know even you know the That's old right. a little bit older group. I mean, they take their information in in a different way, and right. they don't like you know they'd rather write you a letter sometimes versus getting on getting on the phone. So, 
from a broker standpoint, what's if I'm a broker trying to take your product into you know an employer, how am I going to communicate? What's the best way for me to communicate with these retirees that you guys have? And so you're going to utilize our services for that direct communication to the retirees. We have so many different programs in place internally to help do that. And one you mentioned was the, the individual. I've got a number to one specific person. That's right. That's one. And that's been a huge selling point for our company because I know me personally, I feel that way. And so if I can pick up the phone and call and get the same person when I need help. And I've utilized our own services for my own grandparents in the past year and a half. My grandfather was getting transferred from a hospital location to a skilled nursing facility, which is one of our caregiver programs that we give. I needed to have a phone number for a skilled nursing facility in Tallahassee, Florida, like within 30 minutes. Mm. And so I contacted our service and I was able to get that phone number handed to me Within 30 minutes, I had a bed reserved for him at the location we wanted. That took his insurance. And so it's a phenomenal program and service that we are able to offer to our retirees. And I was working that day. And so it took me all of five minutes to make a phone call. And I had everything I needed back. And I wasn't on the phone calling skilled nursing facility right. after skilled nursing facility to get what I needed. Now, the if you look at if you look at the brokers out there, I think, you know, they're all trying to adapt and find the best solutions out there. And, and because the market's changed so fast, yep. they're, they're looking at all these different options and they're saying, okay, what's the best of breed? Who do, who do I go to? Do you guys work with any specific um, brokers on a regional structure um, that they can become exclusive? Or is it, you know, if you're a broker – who's just looking to, to best serve your client with a retiree health benefit, they can come to you. That's right. They can come to us. Anyway, okay. And so we work with brokers nationally. We help them with their clients. Uh, we, Our company is only in the post-65 market. We don't work in the pre-65 market at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's no conflict there when it comes to employer groups or any crossovers. There's no gray area. We work in a post-65 market. What was the, why was the decision to- – you just wanted to be the best at the post-65? exactly it. I mean, we are here to work on the needs of a post-65 generation. And so we work with the employers. We work with the consultants to find the best solutions for their aging employer. And so you don't – you know, the and I think that's smart. I think you got a lot of – there's a lot of moving pieces with the post-65, mm-hmm. especially with, with the number of people about to come into the system. 10,000 people a day. Wow. Yeah, that's – and that's a lot. I think, you know, I think that's very, very good position. If there's a broker out there, you know, what's the one thing that you could kind of tell a broker, you know, about the retiree health mm-hmm. benefit? You know, what, why, if, why do they need to recommend it? If they're not knocking on their door and talking to their own clients about it, they're either calling us or they're calling somebody else without their knowledge. And so make sure consultants that you are helping your clients in all their aspects. If you have to write a list down and say, number this one to 10 on what's most important for you, you will find retiree benefits on there. And so you'll need to have a resource, if not today, at some point in the future, because that question will come up. They do have aging populations. We see more and more of it every single day. We, um, over the course of the last couple of years, the employers that we started working with several years ago, all of their retirees are coming to age now. And so if they're not having that conversation, you're going to. If, and if they're not having that, somebody else is 
That's right. Talking to your client about that possibility. That's right. And you're leaving the door open. Wow. Very interesting. So the so the model, you know, for the brokers, you know, from this is is that there is a role to play in in your solution, and I think that's a lot of models out there. Um, you know, especially if you were bought by a big consulting house or the big consulting houses that bought this piece, they're only mm-hmm. available to you know the consultants that work for that company, and so you that's have right. a unique position in the market. That hey, if you're a broker out there listening to this program, you know the transitions RBG program is available for you to put in your bag um, as opposed to some of the other ones out there so i think you know i think the brokers you know they're looking really hard at this and um you know it's very interesting to see where the market moves well on the next segment everybody we're actually going to get into a case study that uh cambria has here on one of the the clients that she did work with so we can actually put some practical use on on this solution so stay tuned for the next segment of healthcare consumerism radio Hey everybody, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHC Radio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, joined in studio with uh, Cambria Smith, President of Transitions RBG, and we've been talking about retiree health solutions for this whole program and really want to get into a case study that Cambria did with a uh, company in the country here that um, you know was looking at their solution, had some problems that, that they needed to solve, and Cambria and her team came in and helped them solve those problems. But we were t- kind of talking in the break, and I was just kind of asking Cambria for um, a little bit of clarification on when, if you're an employer, should you look to put this in, um, since it is a post-65 um, retiree health benefit exchange Um so, Cambria, if I'm if I've got an employee population and the oldest member of my team is 55 mm-hmm. years old, do I need to look to your option at that point, or maybe a little bit later? I would say the sooner the better. Okay. Because you're going to find that we talked about that sandwich generation. It gives them a resource that's going to help with that employee absenteeism, but it's also going to give them access to all of our educational tools. Okay. And so, at transitions, our focus is education. 
period, end of story. And I've said that a hundred times, I think, today alone. But nobody, we talk to CEOs, we talk to CFOs, we talk to attorneys, we talk to doctors. Nobody understands Medicare. And so people have questions and they need help or they want to understand how different things work. It starts with our educational foundation. And so we want to invite these people and give them the opportunity to attend our seminars around the country. We want to give them opportunities to have on their employer portal one of our uh, Medicare educational self-paced seminars so that they can go through that webinar at their own pace. We have resources for employers that are, when do I enroll in part A? When do I enroll in part B? Which are just little video snippets that are less than seven minutes long that they can have on those intranets to help those employees understand where I need to based on my plans. Um, So it starts with that educational. So you may not have employees that are over 70. You may not have employees that are over 60, but you never know when somebody needs a Medicare resource. For example, your 55-year-old employee could qualify for disability. And so if they go on disability prior to age 65 and they go through that waiting period and Medicare goes effective, they may be under 65 and still need to have that Medicare resource so that they understand how to utilize the program. Mm, okay. I got it. So the sooner the better for, for a lot of different reasons to, from an edu- from a purely educational standpoint. The, you know, I know you worked, you've got a couple case studies that you, um, you've done kind of tell our audience a little bit about this company and what they were looking for and how you guys helped them. Absolutely. Um, recently we had a company had 2000 retirees on their plan and then they had another, I would say 350 legacy retirees, meaning that when they sat down and looked at what they could do with their plan, they could take the 2000 retirees and move them off of the plan with no consequences. And then they had this reserve group, we'll call them their legacy retirees, that they could not cut off of the plan, that they were forced based on all of the promises made that they had to keep them on an employer plan. And so what we did with this group was we set all of our wheels in motion. And this particular employer was in a position where they could not afford to fund any type of an HRA. They could not fund a single penny towards these retiree benefits. So these retirees lost their coverage 100% with zero funding and transitions did their offboarding. Through that offboarding with zero funding and our educational process, 87% of their retirees enrolled with transitions. Wow. Which is huge. And it's because of our system where we work with the advocates, we work as advocates, where we have our educational platform, and because they're able to build that relationship with their advisors, we were able to protect that many of the retirees. So 87% of their retirees enrolled directly through transitions, and we continue to support them today. Now, if you, one of the things, so they, did this population where they, it was, the 200, the legacy ones. And mm-hmm. so they had to stay on that employer's plan we by actually, law? They did. By law, they had to. So what we ended up doing, doing, excuse me, was they were on an access plan attached to their self-insured program. Okay. So we went into them and we carved them out and shifted them over to a fully insured plan. And we took all of the Affordable Care Act implications and fees and shifted that over to the fully insured plan. Okay. And so we were able to reduce that. We increased their benefits and reduced their premiums all on the same stroke. And so these 2,000 retirees in this case study, they 
they were at risk of losing they, their benefits that were promised to them by the company from, from a funding standpoint. That's exactly right. So there's a lot – I mean – you read about it all the time in the news. There's a lot of people from a retiree health benefit standpoint that the company just throws their hands up at some point and says, We're done. You're not getting it anymore. We, That's right. Well, we promised it to you when you started working for me when yep. you were 32 years old. You're sorry, you're done. So you, I mean, we, that's significant. We went in and we protected that group and worked with the employer to do it. And the employer trusted us with our education techniques and the way that we work with our advisors and how our advisors interact with our clients, our retirees. And we were able to sit 87% of these retirees into our Medicare exchange because we do own and run our own Medicare exchange. But we utilized the exchange for them, and they were all able to find plans that met each of their needs the best. Hmm. And so the so if you're an employer out there, don't throw your hands up and say, That's right. rock, don't rock the boat right away because That's you right. think you're out of options, that, that, that your solution has come in to fill that void to right. those employers who say gosh i can't do this anymore sorry guys you know you're done you're done yeah <laughs> which is completely don't throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah that's yeah and and you're going to rock the boat and you're going to have a lot of mad people um you know when i look at these 200 legacy um is that maybe some union people or or this was a- not union this was a non-unionized company we have worked with union employees in the past and we do have other case studies where we work with them and extend those trusts as well um, and give those employers resources beyond what they think they have because i think one of the big discussions out there right now is are you know a lot of these unions are Mm -hmm. not necessarily happy with the health care law and one of those is that most unions get to enjoy the benefit of a cadillac plan and with the cadillac tax that's coming into play you know here in a few years which is kind of crazy to me that you you're going to tax somebody for providing best benefits but that's what's going to happen if you that's provide right. a, a you know a Cadillac plan you're going to get taxed a percentage on that if I'm a union I can look right at you guys and say you know from a retiree health standpoint I can I can move your direction too, right? That's exactly right. And so we have so many different, and I will use tools in our toolkit, different ways to help these employers, these associations, and these unions to find the solution that meets what they're trying to have as their outcome. Mm -hmm. So without being too vague, we were able to, in just a simple case study, we were able to move, we took 2,000 of them, and we moved them to an exchange. However, what about those other couple hundred that we couldn't move to the exchange? What happened with them? So mm-hmm. that's where we made other alternative plans to protect them and keep the employer's legal responsibilities completely intact. Now, as we as we look to wrap up the show, I, I kind of want to get your opinion on, on one, the ACA, so the, the health care law that's out there, and what, what's the effect for your business, if any? One of the immediate impacts that we see and um, – kind of perfect timing on this is we're seeing the Medicare, if we're talking about the Medicare exchange, we're looking at the Medicare Advantage plans. And that's probably the market that's the most volatile. So if you have your retirees on a Medicare Advantage plan, it's probably worth just looking over that to make sure that that's still the best solution for your retirees, because we're seeing a lot of um, changes 
so to speak. You've got United Healthcare dropping providers in the Northeast. You had um, a Medicare Advantage plan literally just go out of business. The state of Florida shut them down. Excuse me. The state of Florida shut them down two, three days ago. Wow. Had 50,000 members taken off their plan, HMO out of Florida. And so they lost coverage and will be looking for new coverage on 7-1. So I think the biggest disruption that we're seeing from the Affordable Care Act would be the Medicare Advantage world. The uh, other thing that we're seeing is employers just need to be made aware that if you are allowing your retirees on your self-insured plan, there are fees that you're paying under your self-insured plan due to the Affordable Care Act that you weren't paying before. Hmm. And so it's it's probably advantageous for you to look at the different alternatives in that realm as well. As far as post-65 benefits really being affected by the Affordable Care Act, the original Medicare network is what we tell people to look at first and foremost. And that if you're going to go on to original Medicare or Medicare supplement, you have to ask your doctor if they're in the original Medicare network. If you're going to go towards a Medicare Advantage style plan, then you have to ask your doctor, are you in the original Medicare network? Do you accept XYZ Medicare Advantage plan? And are you accepting patients? And so it's a little bit more hurdles, so mm-hmm. to speak, for our clients, but we want to make sure that they understand that those changes are coming. Well, Cambria, I really appreciate you joining me in studio, um, you know, today. Very informative, you know, for the employers, um, brokers, consultants, health plans out there, even the TPAs. Um, kind of give, let them know where they can find you and uh, contact you. Absolutely. If you guys uh, want to learn more about our organization, you can go to our website at transitions with an S. RBG for Retiree Benefit Group. So transitionsrbg.com will take you to our website. And if you want to call and speak with somebody at our office, uh, our 800 number is 800-936-1405. Well, Cambria, thank you so much. Enjoy uh, the Country Music Festival down in uh, Jacksonville (laughs) this weekend. And to the rest of our audience, we will uh, talk to you next week on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.